Hey everyone, and welcome to the Nerd Room, where we talk all things comics and movies. This is episode number 35, where we're discussing Rogue One and Luke Cage trailers, yep. as well as a little bit of Beaver's Ultimate Cut. Just a touch. I'm your host, Tim. I'm Troy. And here we are, we're in the Nerd Room recording a little bit early this week on Friday. Yeah, special edition. Yeah, special edition, sponsored by beer. <laughs> 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 yeah, let's record a little bit early this week, guys. It'll still be coming out on Thursday, which doesn't matter to you. <laughs> we thought we'd record a little bit here, just talking about so many trailers coming out. Yeah. We missed a bit of the news last week. Rogue One dropping this huge trailer. Massive. Yeah. That the internet was exploding about last night. And I was one of the ones that was sitting there, like, watching swimming in the Olympics. <laughs> I stated last week, oh, the Olympics are dead, like an idiot. <laughs> Only to have the second trailer, I think. Second trailer, we could say. Yeah. Yep. Come out for Rogue One, I think about 9 o'clock or 8.30, 9 o'clock last night during the Olympics. Yeah. Twitter was quite a place to be last night. It really was, wasn't it? It was a party. <laughs> yeah, people were freaking out about yeah. how just the, the anticipation of it and the lack of patience yeah. for it. Some and, great gifts oh, going on. Yeah, oh, yeah, all over the place. Right. I really had a good time Definitely. sitting around on Twitter. And I feel like as soon as the trailer dropped, everyone's TVs went off. <laughs> <laughs> I tweeted a little thing. It was basically, you know, at uh, when... Alderaan is blown up. Yes. And Ben says, or Obi-Wan says, you know, it's like a billion people, you know, shouted and screamed all at once and then silence. Oh, I felt yeah. like that's what it was. It's like everyone screamed with joy and then silence their TVs. Completely <laughs> <laughs> exactly. off. Exactly. Yeah. Kind so, of an awkward time from the drop a trailer, though, eh? Like, it's yeah. that late in the day. It's, it's interesting how this sort of advertising works. Is I don't know if it's NBC that paid to have the rights to show the trailer. Right. Or was it Lucasfilm that paid NBC to show it? During the Olympics, which good are call. a heavily watched program, right? Yeah, for, that's a good call. For globally. Right. So do you get more people attracted to watch a Star Wars trailer at the Olympics? Or are they trying to leverage off of all the people watching the Olympics for this trailer? That's right. Maybe it's the Olympics. <laughs> like you said, the Olympics are kind of dying out a little bit. Yeah. So maybe they paid Star Wars, but hey, give us a hand here. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, it's, and it's a different crowd, I guess, yeah. generally. You know, I'm generalizing big time here, but, yeah. you know, the nerds and <laughs> sports. <Athletes. laughs> but <laughs> I don't know. It's it, maybe maybe not so much anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you don't see that barrier. It's kind of a blurred line now, I guess. Yeah. Eh? I guess anything goes after them playing it at the, was it the Super Bowl? Yeah. Or just a Monday night football game. Yeah. Force Awakens, anything goes now. Exactly. Right. And yeah. I remember watching in 2012, it was. And I watched the Super Bowl and football and all that kind of stuff. But <laughs> I remember specifically watching the Super Bowl for the first Avengers trailer. Nice. And it was like, blew my mind. It was like half into CG and super pumped about it. Yeah. And like, I was with like, 15 or 20 different guys and we had a projector screen in a buddy's house and the Avengers trailer popped on I was like everyone shut up <laughs> shut up silence He's like what's the game back on no <laughs> it's the Avengers trailer <laughs> awesome yeah it was good so what we're gonna do here we're gonna run through a bit of the Rogue One trailer so we're gonna kind of step through it a bit here not so much shot by shot but just talk about some of the big things because we talked about this a bit before and I'd like this about the trailer but we didn't get a whole lot more as far as different scenes and that we got some you know nice cameos that, mm -hmm. that we were hoping for in yeah. this trailer and we got a little more insight into towards some of the planets and even some of the droids. Yes. But it is pretty much focused around Jyn Arso's character. Yeah. And the characters. We really got to hear like a little bit yeah. of everything from all the little characters there. Yeah, and saw Jarrera. And we got to see some interaction. And he's great, Sagar. And he's just narrating. Oh, yeah. Right? The whole thing. I'm just, I love his accent and everything going on there. So... And it's from the Clone Wars. This is awesome. It's so cool. And so I was I was kind of sifting through some of the information about Saw mm -hmm. And apparently when they first wrote this, it, the character wasn't Saw Gerrera. 
Okay, I believe and that. And so they're going through, and they had this, they needed this, like, extremist rebel. Nice. And they're kind of thinking, you know, we kind of have a character like this. So they had written kind of an outline, a skeleton yeah. for this character. And like, well, we kind of have this guy from Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. And then you look at the guy from Clone Wars, and you look at Forrest Whitaker, and yeah. the way that they've got him, you know, done up with his costume and his hair and everything, you're yeah. like, this is almost perfect it's oh. like they based the clone wars character yeah. oh. off of a younger version of forrest whitaker that is perfect and he's you know an oscar award-winning actor yeah. and he's you know doing this role and it looks like he's completely immersed himself right in just fully invested you know and i i think it's such a cool idea to use this character because it's a full circle if you go back to the clone wars anakin and, and obi-wan and whatnot kind of prepped this team to become like the first rebel alliance yeah. in the defense and now it's kind of full circle where his character is going to be kind of putting a stop to Darth Vader. At least they're going to try to put a stop to Darth Vader. So it's kind of a neat full circle. I don't think he knows who Darth Vader really is under the helmet. Yeah. But it's just kind of neat. I mean, Vader would probably recognize him. Yeah. Right? Because it's an interesting concept. Because we're coming back to the original trilogy timeline when not a lot of people know who Darth Vader is. Yeah. There's the, yeah. And there's the assumption that he died. Or Anakin, Anakin sorry. Died. died mm-hmm. And then this Vader popped up, right? Exactly. So there's only a few people that actually know who he is. Yeah. Obi-Wan being one of them, right? Yeah, because most people, the general audience, or the general beings in this galaxy assume that Vader killed all the Jedis. Yeah. Right? We're starting to see some some threads of that come through here. And, mm-hmm. and I really like what they're doing. It seems that they've they've really embraced the idea that you know the Clone Wars are, are canonical and Rebels are canonical, and they're important. Yes. It's not like they're ignored. Because you see with the Marvel Cinematic Universe that the TV stuff in the movies are kind of ignored. It's yeah. like they're they're kind of leeching onto it and, and using the movies as you know ways to bump up maybe some audiences. or And they're tying into the movies and not vice versa. Exactly. Where this is almost Star Wars' first go at, we're going to tie into the, the larger universe. Yeah. I'm loving Love what it. I'm seeing here. And let's get into the trailer. Awesome. All right. So when we when we the trailer introduces itself here, it's it, one thing that we we talked about was the score, mm-hmm. the music. This is set to. It's a, kind of a slowed down version of our original Star Wars score. Right. And we get a little bit of the Vader march. Oh. We get a little bit of the opening. And the way that they've set this and the tone that they're using with this film, mm-hmm. I absolutely love this. Yes. It's Star Wars. Yes. This is like a war going on, right? And it's so different tonally from even The Force Awakens. Like, when we watched The Force Awakens, you, you thought, yes, this is going back to the OT. Yes. This is, this is what I love. And then when you look at this, completely different from Force Awakens... Mm-hmm. But in itself, it feels almost more like Star Wars. Yeah. Because it's the real world going on. Yeah. It's like that Private Ryan grittiness kind of going yeah. on, right? And I feel like this is more of the the peak of the Empire. Yes. And you're seeing this the, the might of the Empire. You're seeing all these ships and, and how relentless they are. And mm-hmm. just with like the director and the different stormtroopers, the death troopers. Yes. Something that we didn't see in the more expanded kind of OT, even into Force Awakens. Yeah. And that's one thing I love that they do. Every Star Wars has a different type of trooper, right? Yes, love that. And it Got looks, to do it. Yeah, and it just that, that the height of their empire mm-hmm. i love the idea of them coming in just being like yes we control the entire galaxy what we say goes yes and it's almost like you go into episode four and that's the start of their downfall the, the explosion of the first death star mm-hmm. and the battle of yavin and then from then on they're kind of always playing a bit of catch up to where they were at once exactly and this is a real opportunity for gareth edwards and the folks at lucasfilm to show what the empire was why mm-hmm. it was so powerful yes at the time yes exactly because yeah. we only really start seeing more or less the downfall of it as we go into episode four yeah exactly and you know you do see the strength and empire but as we get to return of the jedi you know you, you, they've lost tens of thousands millions mm-hmm. of soldiers yeah. and 
and the first Death Star. So yeah. it's really cool. It's, it's really cool, especially to see the rise of the rebels too. Yeah, this is the rebels finally taking charge. Yeah. yeah, and so this planet apparently that we're looking at at the start of the trailer is called Jeddah, mm-hmm. which is apparently supposed to be similar to like Mecca, which is the you know your Jedi pilgrimage. Yeah, and it looks like again going back to Rebels, which has a lot of focus in on. Vader and the Emperor hunting down these Jedi temples yeah. and taking what they can from them and then destroying them. And again, this looks like it may have a Jedi temple on it. It has Definitely. that big, huge structure in it. Yes. And when I looked at that, I was like, my God, this looks like something in a Rebels. <laughs> totally fits in. Like we said, this this trailer seems to be quite heavily focused in around Jyn Erso's character. And again, developing on what we already knew. And that's, again, what I like about it is that we knew who she was, more or less. We knew the concept behind her, that she was kind of a prisoner, mm-hmm. and they're asking her to do something, and they're forming kind of, again, this concept of this ragtag group of, of rebels. Yes. And something that we're seeing in the Rebels TV show, in this movie, and also reading the uh, Aftermath books. Mm-hmm. You get this, this similar semblance of characters where you have kind of random people from different walks of life that are joining together for a greater good. Yes. And they kind of work, you know, they play off each other really well. And I think I'm getting that vibe from this as well. And even more so with, you know, Sajerera and then the two other characters, the Force-sensitive character. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, Donnie Yen's character, yeah, right? Yeah, Donnie Yen's character. Yeah. <clears throat> and these guys are looking awesome. Yeah, they look they look great. And so it's nice to see a lot of returning characters to the OT universe. Right. In Mon Mothma, mm-hmm. we've got confirmation that Bail Organa... He's there. He's there. Mm-hmm. And I guess we should say spoilers for all this stuff. <laughs> I guess, you know, we're going through the trailer, you see what we see. But, yeah. And then it's it's really nice to see that presence that I'm really looking forward to. And I think once we get to the end of the trailer, we should maybe talk a bit about who we'd like to see coming forward. You Definitely. know, is there going to be a Tarkin or someone like that? Exactly. When we get to the end, there's a little tease yeah. of another returning OT character. Maybe. Give me Dash Vendor. <laughs> um, it's really great to see this actress get a second chance at playing Mon Mothra, yeah. too, because her scenes were obviously cut out from episode three of Adventure of the Sith. So it's really great to see her come back, and she looks the part, right? Well, Incredible. exactly, and and that's one thing they've captured. You know, recently since these trailers have come out, I haven't gone back and rewatched Star Wars. Mm-hmm. But when I looked at her, I was like, "Is that the same woman?" Right. <laughs> and so they've they've done an, a good enough job where they've been able to capture an actress and a look mm-hmm. that makes you think, "Yeah, that's how I remember Mon Mothma right. looking." Totally. And even though I'm sure you compare them side by side, they probably look close enough mm-hmm. uh, with the hair and all that. But at the same time, it's not the same actress. Yeah. Like that was four years ago, right? <laughs> The scale shots that they've done in this, this is something that we don't have a good enough appreciation for, I think, in the, the Star Wars universe. We got a bit of it when they compared the Death Star, second Death Star, and the Starkiller base mm-hmm. in The Force Awakens. But it's still hard with scale because, you know, planets are big or small. Mm-hmm. And now with this, we have kind of the idea of how big the Death Star actually is relative yes. to a superstar destroyer. And I guess we did get that in Return of the Jedi mm-hmm. and the kind of relative scale and all that. But I just feel like the way that they've shot these, mm-hmm. and it looks like they shot them with models again. Like these Doesn't look like it? images straight from the 1970s, Yeah, 1980s. which I really appreciate. And again, it's building on stuff we've seen. And this is what I love about these trailers is like it's not... And I, because I cautioned myself before, it was like, I'm done watching Rogue One trailers. Because mm-hmm. I felt, I've seen what I want to see. I'm happy with it. Yeah, you're invested in the property. Exactly. Yep. And more so than I was just because it has a Star Wars tag on it. I was mm-hmm. like, this looks excellent. Yes. And then now when you look at the aesthetic of it, and because they've been able to compile this trailer and not give us too much more, I don't feel like I've learned that much more. Yeah. But the little snippets of scenes that they've given us, I'm that more enticed oh, to come yeah. into it. For sure. And then we get to look at the... U-Wing. Yeah. Right? This thing looks incredible. The first glance I thought was an X-Wing, and then looking at the trailer a couple more times, because I've seen this about eight times already. Yeah. And 
are they ever going to sell toys off this one? Right? Oh, man. Like, the toyetic of the Star Wars universe is unbelievable. Right. But the fact that they're able to basically reinvent the Stormtrooper every single movie. Every time. Reinvent the spaceships every single mm-hmm. time. And it's kind of cool that they're sticking with this, like, lettered ship. Like, the Union. Yeah, right? I like, love that concept, right? Yeah, it's pretty cool. And, you know, some people could say, ah, you know, they're just trying to sell you stuff. But... Yeah. It's great. You know, why wasn't this in, you know, simple. It's just, same with those, the, the shore troopers and the death troopers. You know, mm-hmm. why weren't they, maybe they get eliminated at the end of this. Or it's, it's such a wide and expansive universe. Exactly. And we're just seeing such a small battle. We're really seeing the Anakin's Vader story, yeah. right? And it's, you when you look at, and when you read the books and you talk about, you know, there was eight or ten Super Star Destroyers and there was bases and all that. So it's such an expansive battle and it's such an expansive empire yeah. that we were just seeing a small piece of it, right? And we're focusing around the big things, the Death Star and that. Yes. But there's so many other elements going on in the background that it's like, and that's why I really encourage people to read the books because you get an appreciation for how big this universe actually is. It's not just the Skywalkers, <laughs> right? right? So much going on in this universe. It's huge. And again, like a lot of these shots with the, they're pulling back and you're seeing a single ship in a canyon and it's just this the scale of things that mm-hmm. they've done and the way that they've been able to, the cinematography of it, it looks gorgeous. Yeah, and completely different from what we've seen in Force Awakens. And so one thing that people had speculated on Donnie Yen's character, he's a blind one, right? Mm-hmm. That he was possibly force sensitive, and yes. so he he seems to be at least living or at, taking refuge in Jeddah, right? Yes. And he seems to have some attachment to it, at least in these scenes that we're seeing in this mm-hmm. trailer. And he comes right out and is talking about the force when he's yes. when he's fighting the the stormtroopers, mm-hmm. which is a really great thing to see. Yeah, you know, is so much speculation on it. And right. Is it a little spoiler? Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, it's pretty cool to see that not all people that are force sensitive are you know, necessarily Jedi's. Yes. And it's cool to see them expanding on that concept that the force is more than just a religion, a mm-hmm. monk like religion, yes. if you will, right? Yeah. That's what I love so much because if you go into episode four, I think it's uh Tarkin that refers to Vader, you're the last of the of the one that believes in this religion, yeah. which is the force. So it's so cool that we get to go back to this planet now, uh Jeddah, where people do believe in this religion and 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 praise it and, and believe in it. And to see this character do what he does is is just great, you know, because at this point, the the forest is just so dead. You know, yeah. there's no Jedi's around. Nobody believes in this this religion anymore. So it's really great to see what they're doing with this character and getting away from the lightsabers. Yeah, and it's an interesting concept too because the disconnect I always have with Star Wars, and you know, I love the universe, love the continuity, all that. So it's 18 years between Revenge of the Sith and Episode Four, yeah. correct? And in that 18 year span, mm-hmm. you see almost the complete annihilation, or even people forgetting about the concept of the forest. Yeah. You, you see. Han Solo referred to it as this old hokey religion or yeah. whatever it is, right? And it's interesting to see in Rogue One that we are going back and revisiting the Force. Mm-hmm. So what it was, maybe it's more pocket societies or something like that that are still practicing the Force. But you go to, like you said, Tarkin yeah. and Tech, they call it this old hokey religion. Exactly, yeah. And you're the only one that follows that. No one really believes mm-hmm. in like, some sort of witch, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> and then this is another interesting thing. So this K2SO, who's voiced mm-hmm. by Alan Tedjak, and so he's a former Imperial Enforcer droid mm-hmm. that's been reprogrammed, which is pretty cool. I like yeah. the concept of that. That's great. And um, it's reminiscent. There's some stuff like that going on in the Aftermath books where you have, it's actually a battle droid that's been reprogrammed and it's kind of hanging out with the crew, the nice. kind of the rebels, if you will, of this, of the New Republic mm-hmm. that's going on there. And so I really like this. And he seems to have some similarities to C-3PO. Right. 
even just in his speak, kind of yes. like spouting off statistics in that, right? Mm-hmm. And I think he's going to be used as somewhat of the comic relief in here to bring a slightly lighter tone to what's in probably an overall much darker. tonally darker, yeah, yeah, film that we've seen in the Star Wars universe. And I think it's going to be when I when I hear him talk and see some of the scenes in his interactions. I think it's going to be more of him not understanding human emotion right. and kind of being kind of playing off that almost yeah. not so much like a Drax, but kind of just not understanding the, the motivations and that of maybe a generous was like, why are you doing that? This makes no sense. Why don't we do this? And, right. And kind of playing off that and that being a bit funny and him trying to mimic maybe some emotion. Yeah. That's neat. He, you know, when I first saw this character, he kind of reminded me of a callback going to um, the Old Republic video game, Knights of the Old Republic video game, where there's a droid they meet on a ship that looks very familiar to the Millennium Falcon. Oh, really? But he refers to humans as meatbags. He, like, kind of oh, really? despises his humans, but he, <laughs> he has such a sarcastic kind of um, Alfred tone to him, you could say, right? So I'm really curious to see what this robot's going to offer, this droid. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. And it's kind of a nice new introduction of a, yeah. of a different type of droid yes. into the Star Wars universe. Mm-hmm. And there's an interesting shot with the Death Star. Yeah. And it looks like it's upside down. That's <laughs> which right. Which I was a bit confused about. I don't know if we're looking at the back. Right. We've just actually never seen the back of the Death Star. Right. Or if, like, it doesn't make sense that it would go upside down. Rotate. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's something new to me if it yeah. does. So yeah. So it's a little confused here. And mm-hmm. again, with these scale shots, it looks like we have an image here of a, more of a desert-like planet. Mm-hmm. And we have the Death Star that looks like it's blocking out the sun. Right. It just looks gorgeous. Yeah. The cinematography, I'm going to say it again and again. Beautiful. Right. I it love really is. how they've shot this. Mm-hmm. I'm curious almost if we get to see maybe a test run of the Death Star to see what it offers. Yeah, that's that'd be mm-hmm. interesting because I guess Alderaan was the first big test. Yes, but if they go after something relatively smaller, mm-hmm. and that that's a good point, that'd be pretty cool to see. It'd be interesting, yeah. Now we're getting this director as well mm-hmm. in here, and he's looking evil as ever. Right, Tom Hiddleston is yeah. it? Or, no, no, not um, Tom Hiddleston. Ben Middleton. Ben Middleton, yeah. yeah. And he, part of me still really wishes it was Thrawn. Same here. Like he looks like Thrawn. He's got the the white imperial suit mm-hmm. on and. I think it would just been really cool if it was on because we're getting thrown in this timeline with rebels. Mm-hmm. What happens to him? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm, I've been crossing my fingers and just hoping he shows up in live action someday. Because hopefully he's the one EU character that I'm super attached to. Definitely, and I just love how methodically he is and. I'm so excited that he's shown up in Rebels. Definitely. Especially with Thrawn and him being introduced. He's such a different character and villain compared to everything else we've seen, right? He's a strategic master. Yeah, exactly. Because Vader's a bit more... I wouldn't say... He's not. He's methodical, but yeah. he doesn't seem to always have a plan. It's like, yeah. I'm just going to use the Force. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm going to use my strength. Yeah, and he's and, all show almost yeah, exactly. in some ways, right? Yeah. And that's how he's portrayed almost right through the prequels, right? Yeah. Is that he's a very showy person. He's always showing off and mm-hmm. kind of doing his own thing. Yes. Not really thinking things through and being like, well, I can... I'll fix this as I go. Yeah, I can make up for with the power that I have. Exactly. Yeah. And this kind of storm in the beach of Normandy oh, look here wow. is... It's going to be a very powerful scene. And I think visually they're going to leverage a lot on potentially a lot of World War II imagery. Yeah, I'd Particularly so. the Normandy stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we got our ATACTs. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so the, the beach edition yeah. models. Yeah, it's exactly. And we got our shore troopers there. and I'm really looking forward to the scene. I can't quite figure out exactly its placement in the film. If this is going to be more of an end kind of battle scene or if this is going to be something in the middle where we see potentially an initial defeat of the Rebel Alliance. Right. Um, and just showing that, yes, they're quite a bit weaker. And, and it's just demonstrating the Empire's strength. At some point, we need to see probably some big Rebel defeat mm-hmm. in, this, in this movie. A lot of practical looking effects though, right? Yeah. And, it's, and I think that's something that 
stemming out of the Force Awakens that they've leveraged a lot on and said, you know, if we can do it practical, we're going to do it that way. Mm -hmm. And then we'll supplement with CG, you know, filling in the backgrounds and that. Mm -hmm. But I can appreciate what they've done there. Absolutely agree, yep. Yeah, I'm digging these new these new pilots now on the Rebel Alliance. Mm-hmm. So these guys, I, I get kind of an Oscar Isaac Poe Dameron. That's what I'm them. getting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, a little bit of a Han Solo uh, yeah. Oscar Isaac kind of character. And you, you, know? need, you almost need that grounded character that's going to call out the bullshit, right? Yeah, it's going to be. This is weird. Like, what are we doing on Jeddah? Are we actually doing this? Like, yeah. is this guy for real? Like, he's thinks he's force sensitive. He's right. just hitting guys with sticks. You need someone to kind of question yeah. all that. And you need, yeah, you need to have that real life person that sits in the film and questions the things that you're thinking, like. That quite doesn't make sense. Right. And then you have a character that calls out. You're like, okay, I can get on board with cool, this. Cool, I'm like, invested. I believe yeah. in this universe now. And again, it's really cool since Force Awakens, we've really been seeing these shots of um, jets and ships flying pretty low to the surface of the yeah. planets, you know, because they did such a great job with um, Jakku's yeah. uh, flight scene. So it's really good to see this again carrying on forward in these films. So we were talking a bit before. So we have the scene where we have Jyn So she's walking across this big plank or whatever out mm-hmm. to what looks like open sky. Yeah. And you have the TIE fighter slowly Rising moving up. up. Yeah. Is and, that Vader's? Oh, right? I don't know. It's That would be something. That would be. Right. And so that's the question that a lot of people were asking. And kind of spoilers here. We do see Vader at the end of this Mm-hmm. in this trailer for the first time it's been acknowledged but this is the first time we're actually seeing him mm-hmm. and how big of a role do you think he's going to play now that we have official confirmation mm-hmm. we got that from celebration we knew he was in that trailer yeah but now seeing it for the first time you're seeing the back of his head and you know it's again you're looking at the screen and behind him it looked yeah. right out of the 70s oh, beautiful yeah. it's great yeah it's great what sort of impact do you think he's going to have on this film? Is it going to be a glorified cameo, mm-hmm. or is he going to be actually doing something big? Like, sitting in this TIE fighter, actually right. having a battle with Jyn Arso. Mm-hmm. I think he's definitely going to be not wasted, alright? Because I don't know how many more chances we can have of a, of a Darth Vader showing up in live action. So I think whatever role he gets, he's going to have at least some kind of big sequence of action. He, he It's just it's a must-have. How much screen time he's going to get, I don't think he'll have anything more than Spider-Man in Civil War. Yeah, yeah it's going to be... Even that's a lot, you yeah. know, for, might for be, You might get something quite early on, just mm-hmm. acknowledging the fact, yes, here's Darth Vader, mm-hmm. and then he'll pop up in and out. Yeah. But I think we're going to... The main villain's going to be the director. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, and then, but, yeah, and then sure. focusing on the Death Troopers and, and that. Cause. For sure. But going off of uh, Vader down, I really need something out of there. Vader down, where, where everybody out there that's read that book, oh. when he's on the planet, which I don't know what planet it is, but it's for the remember. Jedi Temple. Yeah. And the scene where he takes it all those troops, like we need something like that on the live screen. Yeah, right? that, that was beautifully done. If you have not read Vader down, mm-hmm. go check it out. It gives you another look into this Lords of the Sith type of Vader. Yes, and the power that he has. Yes, yeah. it's so good. And this is coming out of episode four. Yes. Where he is a bit slower. Mm-hmm. And so you speculated, and there's some internet speculation that right. something's happening to him in Rogue One mm-hmm. that slows him down, that explains right. that. But then as we come back out into the comic books, yes. and again, that's it's a good point mm-hmm. that... that it deals with this Jedi Temple, this exactly. idea. We have Luke kind of going out looking for the Jedi Temples mm-hmm. that have probably been destroyed by the Empire. Right. Yeah. And it's, oh yeah. So that's a great moment because when he goes to that temple, you know, there's these there's voices. I think there's even Obi-Wan calling yeah. out and all these ghosts are haunting Vader. So great. Good. Those comic books. Get on that because Vader ends in a couple weeks. Yeah, two more issues left, I believe. Yeah. I think we already hit 23, ends at 25. So get out there and get those. There he is. Vader. Vader. Wow, so brief, but it's it it, it, it works. It does right? the job it needs does to the do, job. right? Yeah. I, you don't see the front of him, so we no. 
you know, and we can expect that he's going to look very reminiscent of the episode four Vader. Yes. I think that's enough. I don't want to see any more of it. I don't mm-hmm. want to see him swinging a lightsaber. Yeah. I don't even want to see him igniting one anymore. All right. Like, he got the breathing. We got the back of his head. We know he's it's there. It's great. It's great. I could have I could used maybe just a little bit of a hand kind of coming up and squeezing something. But, yeah. you know, that's just me being a huge Vader fanboy. It's great what we got there. Yeah. So one of the big things here that's been rumored and speculated on, particularly with Jetta the planet, mm-hmm. is what the significance of it is. Mm-hmm. And there's this idea floating around that has to do with the kyber crystals. Right. Which are canon. Mm-hmm. So they've been mentioned in the Clone Wars. Yes. They've been mentioned in Rebels. Yes. I think and even Bloodlines. Was it Bloodlines? Or was it Lost Stars? It was Stars Lost, Lost Stars mentions Lost Stars, them. yeah. And as well as Tarkin briefly mentions them cool. as well. So they're out there. Mm-hmm. And they're also the focus of that uh, Freemakers adventure, which is non-canon. So oh, it's okay. kind of that Lego thing. Yeah. It's focused around the Kyber Crystal. Nice. And the Kyber Crystal is something that's been in the greater Star Wars Legends universe mm-hmm. for a long time. It's yeah. what powers the lightsabers. Yeah, in Old Republic, you need it to make your lightsaber. Exactly. Yeah. And that's still a thing. And apparently with Kylo Ren's, the Kyber Crystal is broken. It's and that's shit. why we have the... Uh, the kind of the fuzzy or not imperfect, in, yeah. Un- unstable, yes, uh, lightsaber, yeah, imperfect, yeah. yeah. And a lo- very large kyber crystal is what powers the Death, the Death Star, Star laser. That's right. Kind of speculating some thoughts on that. Like, yeah. could it be that the rebels are trying to initially stop the Empire from getting these kyber crystals, mm-hmm. and then there's some failure there, which leads them to eventually then just stealing the Death Star plans. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting they're bringing the the kyber crystal into it, and it's kind of a a concept that's a bit further out there. It's a bit different than what we've seen. And a lot of the Jedi stuff, well, maybe not so much the prequels, but in the OT, it's more of reference to. Mm-hmm. It's not directly showing. Right. Particularly with the lightsabers. That's been left as a mystery to, say, your average film goer. Yeah. How they actually function, how they work. Exactly. And kind of getting down and defining that, that's something different we haven't seen before. That's right, especially because they deleted that scene in Revenge of Return of the Jedi when Luke actually constructs his lightsaber. Mm-hmm. I can't remember if it shows the crystal or not. I don't think it does. It never shows it never the, crystal, show the crystal, though. but it shows yeah. them opening it up. Yeah. Right? So Putting it together. It's pretty cool. Cool. Wish they so, kept that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like we talked about a bit earlier. Mm-hmm. So we have Bale, Vader, yeah. Mon Mothma, mm-hmm. Gareth Edwards. He did nix the fact that there's going to be no Han Solo in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, who else would you like to see show up in this film from the original trilogy, from Clone Wars, from Rebels? Um, I would love to see maybe a slight Ezra or Ezra. Yeah. That'd be great. Kanan, mm-hmm. I'm totally up for. And pretty much anybody from Rebels would be cool. It'd be really neat to see. Um, Maybe even like a little bit of a Yoda, just somewhere off world, kind of yeah. thinking what's going on. But I guess I'd probably take audience out. I and mean, they said no Jedi, so yeah, I guess we wouldn't. But you know, I've been I've been wanting this character to come back for a long time now since Shadow of the Empire. If they could throw in a Dash Vendor somewhere, be sold. I'm gonna, I'm sold already. Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> I'm thinking maybe a Red Squadron, so a Wedge or a Biggs. Oh yeah, because we're gonna see Wedge in Rebels. Yes, yeah, we are, and we're gonna call. see basically the formation of Red Squadron in Rebels. Right. I think too. Yeah. So they're former Imperial pilots that have defected to the the Rebellion. I believe mm-hmm. they're at the Imperial Academy, and we're gonna see that change in Wedge coming in, which is really cool. That is really cool. I really think that now we have Bail Organa. Mm-hmm. I think we're gonna get R two and C three PO. In just their small cameo, just to say that to. they're in every single Star Wars. Because they're the only characters that are in every That's Star Wars, right. right? And they're, well, apart from R2, C3 would be wiped. His mind would be wiped from... Yeah, because yeah, they wiped at the end of Episode 3. Because mm-hmm. they're with Bale. Right. So they send him with Bale. So Do you I'll... think we'll see a Leia from the back shot, at least, or something. Yeah, so that's an interesting thing, because we've seen her pop up in Rebels as being an active member of the early part of the Rebellion. Right. And the fact that we're basically on top of Episode Mm 4, it would make sense that she's part of that. 
That's and when right. you read Bloodlines and a few of the other and books, Lost Stars, yeah, Lost yeah. Stars, you see that she was involved early on in the Republic. Mm-hmm. So she was there at the downfall of the old Republic. Mm-hmm. She was still part of the Imperial Senate until mm-hmm. it was dissolved in Episode Four, right? Mm-hmm. I think it'd be great. Like you said, that's a great idea. Just having a cameo from the back, yes, and have maybe Bale refer to her or something, right? And that's all you need. You don't need to show her face or Nothing. anything. You avoid... even a hologram you could get away with, it. Yeah, I you mean... can like distorted view hologram. Yeah, like, he called. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. Um, I'm also hoping two big characters coming from Lost Stars is Thane and uh, Sienna. Those two, they have a big role with the Death Star in the books, at least. So that'd be really great if those two could be popped up or just a name just being referenced thing. That'd be awesome. And that's what we need in Star Wars, right? It's just little references and then expand on them in numerous books. Absolutely. (laughs) That's all you need. Yeah, so this is this is looking fantastic. And any doubts that people are having with regards to potential reshoots or a tonal shift to make it something that's lighter, maybe more akin to Force Awakens that Mm -hmm. will attract more of a say a family audience Mm -hmm. i think no matter what this is gonna kill it yeah but when i see this trailer and i compare it to what we've seen before this looks exactly the same tonally yeah it actually reassures me actually even more so that this is gonna be a grittier dark war-based film still yeah Yeah, definitely and yeah i don't think there's anything to worry about you and i don't think i've ever really been worried no but for those that were questioning this you know is this gonna go away of a suicide squad or is this gonna go away of something that's gonna get chopped up by lucasfilm or by disney to make it more family friendly Mm -hmm. or kind of maybe more comedic when it doesn't need to be right i I really think that they've showed us here like guys look this these scenes we've expanded a bit on what we've seen before Mm -hmm. we're getting a little more dialogue between characters and we haven't shifted the tone no not at all i'm almost as excited for this as i was for force awakens wow so so if you can kind of put down a little thing about trailers you know for me i still have you know force awakens um, Age of Ultron, those are still my big uh, Civil War, those are my big talk trailers. Is, is this guy, does this take over? Is that bigger? Is that lower? I think the, always the first Force Awakens trailer for me is mm-hmm. always going to take it, at least in the last few years. Yeah. And the Marvel movies for me, yes, they're always going to be the big trails. I love the Civil War trail. Mm-hmm. The first Avengers trailer, like I said at the yeah. start, was something that Incredible. I sat there and pined over. Right. But when I look at this, and I have a bit more of appreciation, you know, I've talked about this with, with you and with my wife and that, that ever since we started doing the podcast, I find myself appreciating more the art and the effort and time that people put into presenting something to a wider audience. Mm-hmm. And I know sometimes we sit here and we may or may not do this later with <laughs> B vs S, but we take apart things sometimes yeah. that people have put a lot of effort into. But I find that when producing something, some sort of creative outlet, putting it into a wider audience and really hoping that people like it, yeah. I think I have a larger appreciation for the art and the effort that people are putting into something. And so when I look at this and I see the cinematography looks beautiful Mm -hmm. and the way this trailer has been cut is awesome and the music and the effort and time that people have put in to making this feel again like a Star Wars movie that was made in 1970s. Right. And grabbing that nostalgia but also giving us a meaty story behind it. You know, a, a wide narrative, good characters. And I know this is just a trailer. And like I've always said, if you can't cut a good trailer... From a movie that's two hours long into yeah. a two-minute trailer, then you've got something wrong. Definitely. And this could be just that. I don't think it is that. Mm-hmm. But yes, this sits pretty high for me. I don't think it gets quite to The Force Awakens first trailer, because that mm-hmm. was the first trailer we saw in 10 years, yeah, right? right. Definitely. My hype level for this is at almost an all-time high. Awesome. And I remember, so I texted you Troy last yeah, night, yeah. and I was like, trailer's dropped. He oh, checks yeah. it out. He says, when's Force Friday? <laughs> <laughs> First thing, right? Yeah. Like, I get all these figures. Yeah, where's the Legends? <laughs> like, I, or not the Legends. Where's the, the Black, Black Series? series? Oh, like, yeah. Where's the Elite Series? And, <laughs> you know, I'm already thinking, like, okay, 
I've got to start like cutting back on certain things. Yeah, so I, I know. Embrace this wave and handle it, and let my wallet not just oh, get crushed right. on oh, this, right? I can't. Wait but for we're this. gonna see kind of just this, you know, onslaught of merchandising probably mm-hmm. come the end of September here. Yeah, and um, hopefully Force Friday is even bigger, a bigger success yeah. this year. You know. Well, well yeah, they made a billion dollars. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I just don't want to break anyone's hearts this time when yeah. I go to the cash register. Well, yeah. and take a couple of figures that I'm not meant to. <laughs> Speaking of some action figures, you know, just kind of a sidebar here. We talked a bit about the Star Wars Celebration and the San Diego Comic-Con exclusives coming up in Hasbro Toy Shop. Mm-hmm. So that happened. Yeah. <laughs> and it happened really fast. Mm-hmm. So if you weren't there in five minutes or so, I didn't get my hands on anything. No. It's the same thing. The slate almost goes down. You get something in your cart. You get to pay and boom, it's gone. Yeah. I went and looked on eBay because so I was like, ah, I wonder how much these these action figures are going for. So this is the Ben Kenobi, mm-hmm. the Kylo, as well as the Jin Erso, which okay. is going to come out in at the end at Force Friday Force in the Friday, first right. wave. Yeah, uh, but it's just different packaging, nice yes. packaging between two fifty and three hundred Canadian for those three figures. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, too so much. It's a lot, and mm-hmm. it's something that I'm going to continue because so San Diego Comic Con had an exclusive Jabba the Hut. That had the dais and it had um, Salacious Crumb and it had the um, his hookah pipe or whatever it was. Right. And it looks really cool, but they released the Jabba after, mm-hmm. which I'm pretty satisfied with, with the Black Series Jabba. Yeah. These, they're not going to release something that looks like that. No. With the exception of the Jyn Erso, which will have a, a proper Black Series release. Mm-hmm. So the Kylo and in particular the Ben is something that I'll probably pull the trigger on eventually. Yeah. But you got to let it cool off a bit here. Absolutely. I think they'll come around and you know, potentially not. They're never going to drop to something which you would consider maybe retail or even reasonable. Right. You're still going to be paying probably two to two and a half times for this. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, to have it up in, in your nerd room or yeah. in your nerd room here, right. it's something that like, you know, you got to have those exclusives. They're hardest to get. Definitely. But at the same time, there's some the action figures you can appreciate the most. Yeah, they're trophies. And from the Marvel side, the Raft and the Collector's Vault are right. still, as of this recording... Mm-hmm are still available, which is Thursday, are still available on Hasbro Toy Shop. So they're not going out. And I think the collector's vault was 69 and the raft was like 119 or something. Right. <laughs> we mentioned Han Solo here. And he's not yeah. going to be in Rogue One. <clears throat> but mm-hmm. there's some news dropped about the young Han Solo movie. Mm-hmm. Lando Calrissian. Yeah. Looking at cast. What do you think of this? I'm super excited. Because yeah. that's something that really didn't even cross my mind. No? Is that he's got quite a significant backstory appears with Lando. They're pals, but they're rivals, Exactly. Right? Yeah, big time. And... This is something that I was like, when they announced this, I was like, whoa, that is really cool. Mm-hmm. I can really appreciate that. <laughs> Definitely. And you even threw the name out. Um, Donald Glover. Yeah. Yeah. He kind of fits the role. I would really like that, you know, because he can kind of, I don't know if we've seen the, the suave yet in him or like that, that, that smooth swagger, but he definitely has the charisma and the yeah. fun and, like, and he has a cool kind of buddy chemistry with him. You know, you put that guy with anybody and he, he has just that buddy feel. Yeah. So I'd really like to see him in that movie. I think that's, I think that's, that'd be a cool role. Like, you know, this, you can say this guy for anything, but Michael B. Jordan, that's my guy. I, I think he would nail this role. If but he was just, in every movie, yeah. I'd be happy with it. Oh yeah. I love that guy. This guy could do, he, could, he could do a young training day for all yeah. I care. You know, this guy, <laughs> <laughs> he's incredible. Michael B. You're, yeah, he's awesome. He's great. So, um, yeah, you know, let the speculation begin from here on in now. Who's going to play the young uh, Lando? Are they going to go with such a broad look for actors? Like we saw, what, 3,000 for Han Solo? Right. We, as in we cast him. <laughs> <laughs> they saw Han Solo. And they all varied, right? We still got from Miles Teller to um, Edgerton. Yeah, yeah, Edgerton. Edg- yeah, Edgerton. <laughs> and then to the one we, we obviously got, you know, right now. So... It's such a broad spectrum. I'd, I'd like to see what they're going to do with um, with Lando here. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. So they, they got to cast and say, when you come into the casting room, you have to have a mustache. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
and a hair, right? Yeah, and a, and a cool cold forty-five. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, so we're also treated to a new Luke Cage trailer last yeah. week. Marvel and Netflix hitting it out of the park with this Fantastic trailer. Stuff. Yep. And again, it's one of these characters that is relatively unknown to the wider population. Yes. And now with the Daredevil series, the Jessica Jones series, they've built up a lot of good credit with the fan base and with people that generally don't watch superhero stuff. Mm-hmm. And looking at this trailer, it looks like they nailed this again. The the look of it, the right. feel of it, the tone of it. Yeah, the music. Like This is the first uh, trailer music I've actually gotten on board with. Yeah. Now. I'm, I'm fully invested. And he's running Harlem. You know, what a cool yeah. setting. So we're out of Hell's Kitchen into Harlem. Yeah. Great. And it's, it's cool to see that expansiveness of New York. It's mm-hmm. like, because the last three episodes have been set, you know, in one basic neighborhood, mm-hmm. right? And so now that we're expanding out to something different, I really like that concept. Oh, right. Yeah. Love so, it. And one of the first people we see in this trailer is Claire Temple. Right. And so she seems to be this this thread that they're mm-hmm. weaving through all of these Netflix series. So she's in the Daredevil. She's in Jessica Jones. Has yep. interaction with Luke Cage and Jessica Jones. Mm-hmm, big time. It's rumored that she's going to be in Iron Fist as well. Great. Phil Coulson of the Netflix MCU. Yeah, pretty much, right? <laughs> Good call. Pretty cool. Yeah. So it looks like we're going to get flashbacks to his origin. Mm-hmm. And the where he's you know getting his powers from mm-hmm. something very reminiscent of either a Captain America or even a Wolverine oh, kind of transformation, cool right? Yeah. And when he steps out of that his transformation <laughs> bin or whatever you want to call it, and he's got the tiara right. and the wrist gauntlets oh, on. Wow, Power Man to the fullest. <laughs> reminiscent of his 1970s costume, straight out of it. I lost it. I watched the trailer at work and I was like, Whoa! Whoa they just did that. You know, there's nothing better in these in these uh, comic adaptations when we see these callbacks to the original costumes. You know, Yumi and Sanjay talked about it in um, Suicide Squad when we got to see Harley Quinn and Joker right pulled out of the comics. You know, in, in the tuxedo and her original outfit from the animated series. So I love when they do these things. Even you know, Captain America: uh, First Soldier or yeah. First Avenger. <laughs> First Soldier <laughs> <a> mashup. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. First Avenger when we get to see him in his original Captain America costume when he's basically playing mascot. Yeah. You know, love that stuff. And it gives you a great appreciation for that the. the people that are helming these things are, are going back and doing the research and saying you know, the fans would appreciate this because you give this to a normal person they're like that's kind of weird it kind of looks like the wolverine scene but right. sure whatever why is he wearing that thing on his head mm-hmm. but for us the fans like that stuff is for the fans huge service right and it's just like we're gonna throw this in you know a lot of the people that read the comics are gonna get this and if no one else gets it, it doesn't matter yeah yeah and i love and appreciate that they do that for us definitely one cool scene here and it's it's a very quick clip is you see that painting on the wall so the kid's holding up the newspaper okay yeah and there's two things that come out of this for me so when you read it it says the black panther paper right or paper or something like that mm-hmm. when i read that so it's either a reference to the hero right. or reference to the, the ideology around the movement right. right yeah and again this looks like something that we've talked about this that marvel does with the comics right you know go see sam wilson captain america right yes now, hitting you know present day this huge social issues that mm-hmm. we're seeing in the United States right now. Yes. And this looks like it's going to pick up on some of that, right? Mm-hmm. So they're keeping themselves relevant. They have this present day. They're addressing some of these issues mm-hmm. within the greater context of the Netflix series. Yes. And the fact that they go down that path, they don't just avoid it or push it aside and pretend yeah. that America is something better. Right. They're, they're looking at the fact that Harlem's at, you know having hard times. And this is you know one of the, the hotbeds for some of those 
the the social movements that mm-hmm. we saw, you know, in the seventies and that, right? Definitely. And so playing off that, I think it's fantastic, right? And and that's Marvel at its best. You know, Marvel's been doing this since the sixties. They've always been addressing these issues. They do such a good job of that. So I can't wait to see more of what they're going to do in this um, TV universe. You could say, yeah, yeah. and it's in it keeping themselves relevant, right? Yes, and exactly. It, it, I love that. Yeah, not turning the blind eye, right? Yeah, yeah. And we get an introduction here to our villain, right? Right, Cottonmouth. Yeah, which we got a Marvel legend not too long ago. Yes, we did. Year. Yeah, tacky <laughs> costume. Yeah, very tacky. Part of the Serpent <laughs> Society or whatever they're called, right. Serpent Squad. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this is going to be a slightly different iteration. I would say so. <laughs> I'm interested to see if he does have some sort of enhancements. He kind of plays off the snake thing for a mm-hmm. while, and. When you hear the name Cottonmouth, you kind of think racism yeah, immediately. Definitely, right? <laughs> right away. <laughs> so he looks like he's going to be this, you know, very violent kind of crime boss, crime lord, mm-hmm. and very reminiscent of a kingpin. Right. And, you know, my thoughts on this are, you know, maybe he's filling a void in Harlem and the absence of a kingpin. I know the kingpin was focused on Hell's Kitchen, mm-hmm. but he had to kind of his eyes set on the greater New York area, right? Yes. And it seems like we're going to have a very similar back and forth between... Luke Cage and Cottonmouth that we did with Kingpin and Daredevil. Right. So big shoes to fill. Yes, I still exactly. think that's the best TV villain on there for. for oh the whole yeah, universe. Kingpin yeah. is unreal, incredible, and yeah. the way that he was popped into Daredevil season two. Oh, him and him. I don't know. Spoilers. I mean, come on. Now this yeah. this has been out for a while, but Punisher and Kingpin, right? Oh, so great good. dynamic. Yeah. Uh, sorry, kind of spinning off here, not to go too far off topic. Um, they did bring up. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., we might be getting a new leader. Uh, and the rumor has it that it could be the original Human Torch. Really? Yeah, yeah. Was it Jim Hannon? Right. That's pretty cool. Yeah, because that was at the end of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Again, okay. sidebar. <laughs> that's, your, that's your show. That's your yeah. expertise. So at the so. end of season three? Okay. Of yeah, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., yeah, season three. they flash forward into the future, and you have Phil Coulson acknowledging the fact that there's a different director of S.H.I.E.L.D., Cool. And they've cast him recently, too. Yes. Yeah. Yes, they have. I can't remember the name of the guy. But it'd be interesting because it's a cool callback, again, going to Captain America First Avenger. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> or we do see um, the... Actually, no. I think it's actually Iron Man 2. Yeah, we, we get to see the original Human Torch kind of in the, that museum. So, quick sidebar, but uh, go check it out. No, but you do see it in First Avenger. You do see the costume is when Howard Stark's doing the... Uh, presentation of the presentation. car. Presentation, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, is it both? No, it's only in... First Adventure. First Adventure. Okay, yes. Yeah. So I got mixed up because when Robert Downey Jr. comes flying down in that other world yeah. tomorrow... Yeah, it's mimicking right. that. So right, yeah, yeah. yes. Well, I guess it. the opposite because it was later, but anyway. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. The beer is starting to talk. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it looks like reluctance of Luke Cage that you do see in this trailer to be the superhero that maybe this character, I think his name's Pops, wants him to be. And you see Claire Temple when they're talking and walking there, kind of encouraging him to take the, the high road and be, I guess, superhero. I'm going to say in, in quotes here, but mm-hmm. that's essentially what he is. And, and you know, protect Harlem and that. And he seems at least relatively reluctant to take on that role early on. Like, he didn't ask for these powers, right. so why should I do anything about them? Yes. Then it seems like there's at least some sort of either death or something that triggers him to be yes. like, I'm going to go on a path of vengeance, and mm-hmm. this probably eventually evolves into maybe Heroes for Hire or something. I'm doing a greater good here. Oh, yeah, or even Defenders. Yeah. Which will be interesting because I know, you know, in the comics, obviously, we all know that Luke Cage is such a leader. When it comes to Defenders, do you think it's going to be Luke Cage still leading, or do you think it'll be Daredevil? You know, this universe kind of does seem to be set around him. It, was, it wasn't really into the Bendis run of Avengers that we saw Luke Cage come to the forefront yes. and actually lead 
a team of yeah, Avengers, Avengers and yeah. him really coming to the to the fold of being more of a leader and less of a sidebar character. Mm-hmm. I, I never really thought about that because you're right. It does center around Daredevil, this whole yeah. series. But Luke Cage, he does have that presence about him. And, right. in, and in Jessica Jones, and he's got this moral compass that's yes. very, very straight. And mm-hmm. I could see him leading this. But it, again, yeah. you, we might be in the absence of a true leader mm-hmm. in that group. Because you have already the three characters that we've been introduced to yeah. are very strong characters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> again, and with Power Fist on the way too. Right? Yeah. You know, Iron Fist, Power Fist. <laughs> again, with these mashups. <laughs> that's when they combine their powers. Yeah. <laughs> Heroes for Hire. Power, Power Fist. Fist. <laughs> Love it. Um, and the, the last nice appearance that we get here in this trailer is uh, the presence of Misty Knight. Mm-hmm. And she plays a detective in this. And right now in the comics, actually, she has a, has a nice presence in the Sam Wilson Captain America book. Awesome. And so I'm really looking forward to her development. And she does have some relationships with Iron Fist. So it ties all that together. And mm-hmm. so... That's a nice thing about that they're doing with these Netflix series is that they're introducing characters, similar to what they're doing now in the movies, mm-hmm. introducing characters as supporting characters mm-hmm. and then pulling them out and putting them into another series to connect it all together. Definitely, yeah. And that's right. it makes the universe sometimes feel very small, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's I like to see that connective thread through there. Right. I'm sucker for continuity and be like, yes, I love that. Oh my God, this reference. Yeah, yeah they just showed up. Right? Love yeah. that. So I have to say here. Sweet Christmas. This looks good. Yeah. It was a cheesy line, but I had to throw it in there. Love <laughs> that's, it. That's Luke Cage. Love it. So this drops September 30th. Can't wait. We will be for sure reviewing this. Oh, yeah. We'll be binging through it in a weekend, so we get an episode or review episode out to you guys as mm-hmm. soon as we can. Yeah. And I'm really looking forward to this. Oh, that's going to be great. So we got a big lineup. You know, we got uh, Doctor Strange on this month. That's November. Oh my god, so that's November. Okay, so skipping past that. We need that. another beer. <laughs> so September, though, we got Rebels going on. We got uh, Civil War Blu-ray. Yeah. And then we also got uh, Luke Cage. So yeah. that's going to be a good month. That's going to be a big month. Nice. And Force Friday and dropping Force in the morning. Boom! <laughs> <laughs> so we have lots of stuff to talk about for you Can't guys wait. going forward. Awesome. Beer run! <laughs> so we spent last week's episode, episode 34, reviewing Suicide Squad. If you mm-hmm. have not heard that, go back and check it out. Great review. <laughs> Depends who you listen to. <laughs> but Suicide Squad has been killing it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's made $134 million last week. Mm-hmm. And it's projected to make between 50 and $55 million this coming weekend. Mm-hmm. Which is a, not a huge drop off. And it's been killing it over the weekdays. It has beat out Civil War, Batman vs Superman, wow. and Age of Ultron for Monday, Tuesday, and I believe Wednesday kind of second week hauls. Wow. Which is pretty impressive. Is. So this, this thing's raked in almost $180 million mm-hmm. for a movie that's been critically panned. Right. Which we took a go at last week. Oh, yeah. A couple of us, at least. <laughs> Where does this sit roughly still? 20, or I think it went to 27, 33 on Rotten Tomatoes? Yeah, it's kind of sitting in that low yeah. bar. It's not getting much higher than no. that. When you look at the amount of reviews that it's had, it's kind of, you're up into your two plus hundred reviews. So yeah. To make a significant move, you need a significant amount of people going and giving it praise, mm-hmm. which it's probably not going to get. No, <laughs> but sticking around the kind of the DC Cinematic Universe, so mm-hmm. we talk. We said at the top, we're going to talk a bit about B versus the Ultimate Cut, mm-hmm. and kind of just at a high level. But we had some other announcements that are quite significant, particularly for some of the solo outings of some of the Justice League characters. Mm-hmm. One being Aquaman. So yes. we got finally confirmed that the villain here is going to be Black Manta. Right. 
great. Yes. Love this. He's such a strong character. This guy essentially is the Green Goblin to Spider-Man, the Joker to Batman, the Lex Luthor to Superman. His arch nemesis, yeah. Right? Um, you know, Aquaman killed Black Manta's father, and then Black Manta ends up killing Aquaman's son. So they have some huge stuff going on here. Great rivalry. Obviously, we're not going to see in the movies just yet, but uh, I can't wait to see what happens here. You know, when I see Jason Momoa, mm-hmm. and I look at his costume in Justice League, yeah. and... I was a little shaky on his presentation in the Justice League trailer yeah, that we same. got. But the fact that they're going and fully embracing this Aquaman universe, mm-hmm. I'm kind of intrigued about. Oh, I'm yeah. really looking forward to you know, maybe exploring that a bit more. We didn't get anything really in Batman vs. Superman about no. him. And we're going to get a lot more, at, it seems at least from the trailer, or maybe that's just the early shots, right. focusing in on Aquaman yes. and his reluctance to join the Justice League. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious if they're going to go down the path of, is it going to be a fish out of water or is it going to be a reluctant hero story right. where he doesn't want to protect the surface world. Mm-hmm. You know, he's you know he's happy to protect Atlantis right. and do his thing here, but I guess maybe when Black Manta comes and right. you know, maybe he starts attacking planet Earth or mm-hmm. kind of the surface world... If, if he's going to actually go out and protect or or if it's going to be an entire Atlantean-based movie. Right. Or if he's been rejected by the Atlanteans themselves and he wants no part with either or. Yeah, rejected a rejected king or whatever. Yeah, which would be pretty interesting. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty cool. Looking forward to that, actually. Yeah, I can't wait to see this, actually. Um, now that Black Magic's been cast, or not cast, but announced. Yes. Yeah. So it's exciting to see kind of this developing a bit more. Mm-hmm. I believe they're probably going to start shooting that relatively soon. I can't remember when that yeah. comes out. Maybe a year or so, but right until they start. Magic still shouldn't soon though. Yeah, yeah. So DC Cinematic Universe. Yeah, give yeah. it a bit of shit kicking last week. A <laughs> little bit. We we're pretty positive, I think, on yeah. that. Let's just cut. I think I thought we did all right. Yeah. You know, there. They, this is admittedly there was flaws mm-hmm. in that movie. And I think everybody can tell you that even yeah. people that like the movie, enjoy the movie, they can tell you that there's flaws. Going back and revisiting Batman vs Superman. So this is something that I said. When we reviewed, I went back and listened to our review. Mm-hmm. So episode 15, if you want to go back and check that out. It was something that I wasn't particularly kind to. Yeah. I don't think... <laughs> I wasn't as bad as I thought yeah. I was. But did express, and I think along with a lot of people, that there were some major flaws with this movie. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that they, they went and did, they released what's called their ultimate cut. Which is a three-hour cut with they reinserted back a lot of the scenes that they cut to get it down to... The theatrical version. Which is going to be the first of many in these DC movies, I have a good feeling. Yeah, and that's why we wanted to talk about this, particularly this week. Mm-hmm. was because we speculated a bit, is there going to be an ultimate cut of Suicide Squad? Because mm-hmm. there's clearly a lot of scenes missing, particularly yes. with the Joker. Yeah. And that cut apart some of the narrative. And that was something that we kind of laid into a bit, was the fact that this seems, at least with Suicide Squad and Batman vs Superman, it's a bit disjointed. And that Warner Brothers has had their fingers in there kind of mm-hmm. meddling with things. And we want to take a look at what the first version of what we're, they're calling or what we're calling their ultimate cut yeah. actually was able to succeed in. You know, Were they able to produce something that made the film better? Was it visually better? Was it Did it make more sense to people at this kind of three-hour time length, mm-hmm. which is a long time it's very for long, a movie. Yeah. It's a long time to sit. Yeah. What we wanted to do here was kind of, we're not going to go through every single scene and right. kind of break it down and say what was different, what was not different. I think it's just focusing on what the significant changes that were added to the ultimate cut mm-hmm. and if they had any changes to your viewing experience or how you perceive the story. One thing is though, I'm going to try to be positive here. Yeah. You know, I've had a, had a few bevies. <laughs> so we may end up down a classic Tim DC tangent. <laughs> Small rant, just a small rant. But I'm going to try to keep it a bit lighter. Nice. (laughs) 
Sanjay was able to grab me the steelbook for this. And so it's a nice looking steelbook. It is nice. And yeah. I want to talk a bit about this. This is a reverse wolf steelbook. Yeah. And I think among the three of us, I'm no longer the steelbook expert. It's Sanjay. Sanjay, yeah. He's yeah. taking it on. Yeah, we were over and kind of visited his nerd room earlier tonight. And he's got a beautiful collection of steelbooks. Great. And this looks really nice. This is your Batman, Superman, kind of with the different logos across the faces. Mm-hmm. One thing I will caution, though, with this steelbook is I'm a big fan of digital copies mm-hmm. of things. And this has digital code in it when you buy the steelbook or when you buy anything that has kind of the digital copy streamed across it. But you can only upload it to Flickster and Ultraviolet. This has no code for iTunes. That's huge. That's a big letdown. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan, like I said, of digital, but also having all my stuff in one spot. Mm-hmm. And I've chosen my digital platform is Apple. It's just kind of what we have. And I like having everything in iTunes and mm-hmm. that. And the fact that I can't load this directly to my iPad without having a separate app. Right. Kind of, I was, I was a bit let down by that. And the Flickster app sucks. Yeah. Like you can't pause and close your iPad. I One thing I will say is that I was watching this periodically over three or four days. I mm-hmm. kind of broke it up. And the first day I did, I just paused and closed my iPad mm-hmm. cover, and I had 100%, and this thing drained in about four or five hours. It's The Flickstrap keeps playing. Oh. It doesn't keep playing the movie, but it keeps it kind of loading, loading, loading. Mm-hmm. I picked up my iPad, and my iPad was really hot, oh, and it had no. drained me down to 25% battery. Yeah, see, that's buggy. That's not yeah. good. That's not good at all. And so I will caution you on that. The digital copy isn't quite a all-encompassing digital copy, <laughs> which kind of a bit of a piss off. But again, that's you know maybe not so much a... A ding on the movie more of a ding on wb and how they're releasing things right. and how they're giving exclusivity i don't know if they own flickster mm-hmm. or what the deal is but right i don't know so we're trying to kind of stick with the positives here but i just wanted to briefly revisit some of the big issues that we had mm-hmm. with batman versus superman just to kind of address those and see if those are fleshed out a bit more and if we have come around to baby better understanding the direction that they're going with a particular character or storyline or plot thread. And if the ultimate cut eventually kind of makes you feel better about that. And also this is the only, the second time I'm watching the movie. So Mm -hmm. again, I'm benefiting from a second viewing here. Right. So kind of just refresh the listeners a bit, Troy, what were your biggest issues kind of coming out of Batman vs Superman? Yeah. For me, it was editing. Editing was, was pretty bad throughout the whole movie. The story was a little choppy. But I guess that could also be blamed on the editing as as well. And it did feel a little rushed for a long movie, you know. Yeah. So quite a bit of issues. Um, but yeah, like Tim said, go back to episode 15 if you want to hear more yeah. in-depth look. But those were, those were my biggest strikes against the movie. Uh, and Superman was um, a little one-note, you could say, in the original theatrical cut. Yes, yeah. I agree. And I'm, I'm more or less aligned with you there. Mm-hmm. And I'll echo your thoughts on the editing. Mm-hmm. I really struggled with that. That was yeah. one of my big points. Even sitting in the theater, I really struggled with that. Yeah. I felt the flashback scenes were a yeah. bit out of place. Right. Yeah. The presence of Lois Lane, and I think the ultimate cut, like, I'll show my hand here a bit, yeah. but it is addressed a bit. I didn't think she needed to be in the majority of this movie. Yeah. And. The few other things, Lex Luthor. Lex Luthor, yeah, that's one yeah. of mine as well, definitely. I felt like it's a film of missed opportunities. Yeah. There's a lot there, and I think there's a good story there. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of good teases that just aren't captured the way that maybe they should have been. Yeah, I definitely think there's a better story here than there was in Suicide Squad. Yes, yeah, I agree. The bare bones of it. Yes, the bare bones of mm-hmm. a story that mm-hmm. is in this movie, yeah, is better than Suicide Squad. Yeah. I will agree with you definitely. there. Even though I rank Suicide Squad right. higher than this. Mm-hmm. And then also kind of, again, this is stemming back to... 
some of the concepts of teasing things. I felt a lot of it was lazily done. Yes. Or even clumsily done. Yeah. The fact that it was too much for a tease. It was mm-hmm. more of, you know, it's particular with the, the, the flashback scenes and trying to tease a villain in the future. Yeah. And the Justice League, it was just like, this is our tease. Right. Here it is. Yeah. So that's that's it. And then just, like, it was blatantly there. It was yeah. really on the nose. It was really the on the nose. Just poorly handled. Yeah. That should have been something great that everybody should have been talking about. Yeah. Leaving the movie, yeah. So that's that's where we we'll leave. So that's mm-hmm. that's these are some of the issues that we'll see kind of going through our discussion here, whether or not the ultimate cut actually addresses these. Mm-hmm. And I personally, I watched this over several days. Mm-hmm. I broke this three-hour cut up into mm-hmm. <laughs> you know manageable pieces because yeah. this is a movie I was quite reluctant to going back and revisiting. Mm-hmm. I will say this off the top. It does benefit from multiple viewings. Yeah. You are able to pick up things that were lost in you know, in some of the dialogue yeah. and lost in the confusion with the editing that on your second viewing, you do pick up and be like, okay, some of that makes a bit more sense. Yeah. And I find myself, I don't know the original film well enough mm-hmm. to say, you know, it's in the ultimate cut, but it's not in the theatrical cut. Right. And so I don't know if that's a bit of both. Like I'm seeing it for the second time. But also there's more dialogue, so right. I'm picking up on more things. Mm-hmm. But I felt breaking it up really worked for me. I was able to concentrate, particularly for a review perspective, mm-hmm. I was able to concentrate on particular things. So I was trying to break it up big scene by big scene, yes. particularly with the Batman stuff and the, the desert scene we see at the start. Mm-hmm. And I, I enjoyed kind of viewing it that way. And that's how a movie is meant to be viewed. <laughs> uh, but yeah, sure. <laughs> so there's not a lot that has been particularly changed. It's not like a director's cut where they've gone in and deleted scenes and rearranged things and put things into orders maybe that make a bit more sense and kind of change around the editing. This is simply just adding to scenes. Mm -hmm. So supplementing scenes that are already existing and adding what they've taken out to get it down to that more reasonable two and a half hour cut. That theatrical cut that is required for (laughs) preferential viewing, right? For someone to sit there for two and a half hours. (laughs) The first scene that we're kind of introduced to in a big way as far as the ultimate cut is this Africa scene. Mm -hmm. So kind of we have Lois Lane and a fully fleshed out Jimmy Olsen character that's that's name dropped and all. Mm -hmm. It was a big part of the Superman universe. It was a big part of the mythos. And this opening scene did a lot more for me. So this must have been about six or seven minutes It's a big scene. That they've added in. And, And I find going through this, stuff that they've added to the ultimate cut in particular really emphasizes... The motivations of both Batman and Superman, <clears throat> as far as why they're actually why the V is in the title. Mm-hmm. This the ultimate cut fleshes a lot of that out, absolutely. Which does. is unfortunate that they cut some of this mm-hmm. because this scene in particular, where we have a lot more of the development of KG Beast, yeah, and the general as well as Lois Lane's story makes a lot more sense. We're investigating, right, with the bullet. Yeah, makes a lot more because sense because it gives you a lot more weight behind it. Because there's these drop lines where the general says. Or maybe it's Lois that says that the U.S. is neutral in the Civil War and they're not taking sides, mm-hmm. both ethically and politically. And then we see this develop into actually the CIA through Jimmy Olsen right. is, in, is basically chasing this, trying to find a location. We have the U.S. soldiers that are hidden. Mm-hmm. And you see a lot more of the implications for what's going on here and why Lois is so fixated Mm -hmm. on investigating this. Because when you look at it from the theatrical cut, you think she's doing this to protect Superman. Mm -hmm. Let's let's prove that Superman isn't the person that he's being portrayed to be 
in the media mm-hmm. where this actually turns on its head and says, no, well, she's actually investigating more of the U.S. government, yes. which eventually turns into her chasing Lex Luthor. Right, which is very Lois Lane. Yes. Right? Yeah. And it gives, yeah, a lot more weight behind the story she's chasing. It's, mm-hmm. It makes more sense. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's less personal and more her being a journalist, yes. a reporter, right? Yes. And we actually see them uh, analyze the bullet. Yeah. Which is with that late, oh, I forgot the actress's name. She's in Hunger Games. But I remember that was a big deal when we found out that she was cast in this movie. People were yeah. speculating, is that going to be Barbara Gordon? Is that going to be a Robin? Yeah. And we finally see her in this movie with the uh, uncut version. Yes. Which is great. Yeah. yeah, so it's good to see that development, and that makes yeah. me appreciate the Lois Lane story a bit more. A little bit, yeah. I'm a little less reluctant to say she cut her completely out of this yes. movie. <laughs> and I think this scene with her in it mm-hmm. is enough to do what they wanted to do in the sense that they wanted to show that Superman basically would do anything for Lois Lane. Mm-hmm. And that has implications for the nightmare scene and the flashback scenes and whatever they are, the dream, dream sequences. Yeah. Only as you guys have told me, dealing with injustice. Yes. Right, that she dies and mm-hmm. he becomes like this it's crazy... Big dictator. Yeah. yeah. And that makes more sense there. And I mm-hmm. think with just that scene, yeah. that gives us enough Lois Lane to say, hey, we're connecting to Man of Steel yeah. and so on and so forth. But I like this scene now. Yeah. And the fact too that we have... KGB's burning the bodies. Right, yeah, which makes sense now because now we're like, okay, well, he used this heat vision. Or yeah. like, people speculate he used this heat vision to burn down the bodies, right? Yeah. yeah. And that's a thread that's pulled right through this with that, the, the native character mm-hmm. who is coming and doing the deposition. Yes. And you see her on the news and you see her eventually being pursued by Lex's goons. Yeah. And that's a much bigger plot thread that's cut down quite severely. because yeah, she shows up a lot in this movie. Yeah. yeah. And I appreciate the concept of of the animosity growing in the public towards Superman mm-hmm. for this in particular, because when you watch the theatrical cut, you, you look at her and you're like, well, it's the deposition of one woman mm-hmm. and it's a claim, you know, it's him versus her sort yeah. of, and it's you know, her word versus his. But now as this grander scale and you're seeing it develop more, it makes more sense mm-hmm. as to why the public as well as Batman yes. sees him as more of a threat. So Batman at the start of the movie his animosity grows because of what happened in Man of Steel. Right. But then this adds fuel to the fire. Exactly. And where he finally says, well, okay, it's time to, to figure Put something out. Put a stop to this guy. Yeah, because yeah. he's going out and he's basically rogue. Mm-hmm. Doing whatever he wants. Yeah, brand and new villains. Exactly. Yeah. And that's another thing that's heavily expanded on, right? right? Is that concept that of what Batman's doing. Yeah. And we get the expansion of the Clark Kent story. Him investigating Batman, mm-hmm. which is almost completely cut out of the theatrical cut. Yeah. You see him going to Gotham. Mm-hmm. and investigating and we see a lot more of the original criminal that he branded yes we follow him into the prison and the fact that he got transferred from gotham to metropolis mm-hmm. and then you, this is where you start seeing lex luther's yes, plan come to fruition strings. yeah exactly is that now he's got his guys on the inside mm-hmm. that eventually kill him mm-hmm. which fuels the concept that superman is is upset about yeah that Batman is basically is this vigilant that's gone off the deep end mm-hmm. he's branding people and that brand eventually leads to death Mm -hmm. these are drop lines in the theatrical cut but it's actually shown here yes and i like that a bit more and i think that dynamic that you're seeing with clark kent Mm -hmm. investigating and that's even played there's this weird football scene that's in the theatrical cut right but again they're hitting on that idea that you know gotham is on hard times and metropolis is the big city and you do you see that in the football they're getting crushed in the football Mm -hmm. you see the police in the car that are more or less reluctant to even take the call right like wow batman will get him exactly yeah yeah and all that's missing it is and i thought that brought a lot more relevance to the batman v superman story right yeah and why they cut that i don't know 
and and it adds so much more to Lex Luthor because now we actually feel like we have a smarter Lex Luthor, yeah. someone that actually has a master plan. He's not just he's still a goofball, but there's more substance to this character. Well, for sure, and yeah, you seeing his his greater plan come yes. to fruition here. And yes, I will admit that a lot of those ideas and concepts are drop lines. Mm-hmm. But they're exactly that drop yeah. lines. Mm-hmm. And if you're not paying attention, and there's because there's so much going on, yes. You're not picking up on those little things that are planting the seeds that, yeah, Lex Luthor's actually kind of doing a lot in the background to make these things happen, to actually pit these two heroes against one another. Mm -hmm. You get a lot more of that in the Ultimate Cut. Definitely. I think I can really appreciate that about this. Totally agree. And like you said, (laughs) Lex Luthor, he's one of the big issues with this. Yeah. And you don't really get much expansion on this character here, and nothing really changes about him. He's still a goofball. He's still an idiot. (laughs) But one thing, so when he's in that room with the senator discussing and he's talking about his father a lot more, Mm -hmm. that scene in particular is expanded. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty sure he refers to himself as an orphan. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if this is because his father has basically said, I want nothing to do with you. Right. But for some reason, he has control of LexCorp. Mm -hmm. You start to draw similarities between the fact that Lex doesn't have a father, Bruce doesn't have a father, Clark Kent doesn't have a father. Mm -hmm. So you can draw that there. But this also crushes my hope that Brian Cranston's going to show up one day and say, Lex, you're a dickhead. Yeah. You're grounded. I'm Lex Senior. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm the Lex Luthor of the DC Cinematic Universe, so F off. I, I really didn't see this Ultimate Cut really as something that needed to be rated R. Yeah. They added in some blood splatter. Yeah, particularly with Batman's yes. um, you know, warehouse scene. Yeah, the, which is still... Rewatching that... Right. So good. The choreography is great. Oh, fantastic. He is violent as anything. Oh, and just brooding. It, it's it's like I said it before. It's Batman Arkham Knight uh, mm. brought to brought to life no. from the video game. It's it's incredible. Like you said, the fight choreography is it's top notch. It's almost up there with like the Winter Soldier yeah. fight choreography. I'd say it's it's, it's great. Really good. Mm-hmm. And that's another aspect that I appreciate more on second viewing. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's a lot of the Alfred Batman scenes that was added to with the ultimate cut mm-hmm. but going back and re-watching them jeremy irons as alfred yeah. is the best alfred i think yeah he's on great film he's great better you know michael kane was great mm-hmm. michael kane was more of a manservant yeah where jeremy irons is a partner the engineer all that mm-hmm. and one of the things i'm going to take back from my initial assessment is mm-hmm. the idea of this very violent relentless batman mm-hmm. who is going stabbing people killing people and that <laughs> I asked for more, in our original review, I asked for more drop lines from Alfred that kind of stated why Batman was this way. Yeah. It's in there. Yeah. Jeremy Irons, his Alfred, he goes in there, and this is from the trailer, Mm -hmm. admittedly, when he talks about the concept of, you know, good men going bad, Mm -hmm. and then Batman has the, the rebuke of, you know, how many people did we see die and I, i'm kind of half-assed paraphrasing yeah. here but you know how many good people did we see and how many stayed that way mm-hmm. right so he's referring to again this concept that we talked about in suicide squad right. review this huge mythos behind and this history behind batman mm-hmm. in this universe beyond the the metahuman explosion that mm-hmm. we're seeing more recently in this universe right when i hear him talk like that i see the cynical batman I see why he is the way he is mm-hmm. and now seeing again the portrayal of joker in suicide squad right. i can kind of fit some more of those pieces together mm-hmm. and like yeah it makes sense why he's a cynical asshole for sure especially if you know for all we know that could be harvey dent right yeah. that could be harvey dent could have been really close to him like he is in the comics and then he's gone 
the two-faced side as opposed to thinking maybe it's Jason Todd. Yeah, exactly. Right? So it could be one of those two. But you're right. Um, I do agree. You know, the first time I saw this movie, I wasn't necessarily on board with Jeremy Irons that much. He didn't sell it to me. Um, watching it again the second time in theaters and then watching the, um, the uncut version, I, I did like Jeremy Irons a bit more. My only problem still was, and it's not necessarily with him, is just with the trailer. The trailer gave us his best line. Yes. So when I did see it in the movie, I was kind of like, well, I knew that was coming. Yeah. You know, um, I still like Michael Caine because um, he's, he's just, he has that, that soft spot for me. He's, yeah. a little, he's a little softer. But, you know, Jeremy Irons is great. And I can't wait to see more in this universe of what he brings because Batman in this movie is missing a sidekick that can kind of um, put him in his place. Yeah. So it's great that we have Jeremy Irons doing that. Well, again, we, he's, he's a moral compass to a certain degree. Yes. Again, like, and we're seeing that a lot through these, these characters that we're seeing in superhero films is they need someone to ground them a bit and point yes. them in a direction that's a bit more reasonable to some degree. And I think mm-hmm. you get a bit of that with Batman is let's just step back here mm-hmm. and question this a bit. Is this the right thing to be doing? Yes. And eventually it rolls around that, Maybe not the right thing to be doing yeah. because his name's her, his, their mother's name's yeah, Martha. They, they share the same name. Yeah, <laughs> we get there's a sweet f bomb in there, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is a PG thirteen thing. <laughs> like like there's a lot more blood splatter, which yes. I guess is the rated R, and mm-hmm. you get some naked badass and <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Like we didn't get enough bat nipples in the yeah. previous movies. We got ben Affleck bat cheeks, and it's, that's another <laughs> editing problem. It's like. You know, Batman doing something or Bruce Wayne detectiving yeah. and then naked ass and then him oh, as Batman. It's like, yeah. does he shower before he does his ass kick in? <laughs> right? Or it's like, he's, why, like, it made no sense. Yeah. It's like, why do we need to see Ben Affleck's ass? Yeah, it's, it's weird. You know, like I'm a, sure. I'm a big fanboy of the 80s Rocky movies, the training scenes. I love those things. And they had, you know, Ben Affleck training yeah. even more. And it's like, yeah, this is cool. And then. He goes to that shower and he's like, whoa, okay, yeah. kind of back off this. We get that he needs to shower after working out. <laughs> it's fine. One of the scenes that was quite heavily talked about was this, what's called the confession scene. And it was released quite early, even before the ultimate cut dropped. Okay. And it's the scene with Steppenwolf. Steppenwolf? Yes. Steppenwolf. Steppenwolf. Yes. And like I said, when I first saw that, I thought it was out of a video game. Right. It's weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was strange. And it, it didn't, again, it was one of these scenes that it is seeding something for the future. But your average movie regret is going to have no idea what's going on. No. And the only reason I know what's going on is because you guys told me yeah. what's going on, right? <laughs> and I felt that there's a lot of that in this movie. Mm-hmm. And this doesn't really fix it. This kind of adds to the, the idea that they're over-teasing things. Yes. But one thing it does do is it, helps you understand what the hell Lex Luthor is talking about at the end of the movie yes. when Batman's in his cell with him. Mm-hmm. And again, this might be a more because we speculated so much and we've got hints from the Justice League trailer as to what's coming. That it is fact that it's Stephen Wolf mm-hmm. and eventually Darkseid and makes the connectivity between the nightmare scene and what he's saying at the end of the movie and mm-hmm. Stephen Wolf. All that makes more sense, yes. but it's still out of place in the movie, yes. I think. Like I agree. This ultimate cut doesn't fix that by putting that in. Mm-hmm. It helps you understand a bit more of what the hell's going on, mm-hmm. but the average moviegoer isn't going to get Scratching any of heads, that. Yeah. For sure. So what this leaves us with is still kind of the big question is, it's kind of lingering in the background here is, does this ultimate cut fix Batman vs. Superman for you? For me, it, it definitely fixes the theatrical cut, but it doesn't necessarily make it a better movie i mean okay it does make it a better movie but it doesn't make me necessarily go out there raving about this movie yeah you know what i mean so uh it, it maybe cranks it up a couple notches on my on my rating system yes but uh i'm still not raving about this movie because at the end of the day you still have a bad lex Luthor. you still do have too much lois lane yeah and you still have a lack of action oriented batman because besides the the batmobile scenes which are just a little kind of crazy 
there's still a few things lacking, a few things they could have gotten rid of. I agree. And yeah. for for me personally, I think this is it's more or less an overall improvement of a movie that I've taken the piss out of for the yes. last six months. <laughs> and I will say that it does benefit from a second viewing. Mm-hmm. And scenes that were added help it. Yeah. When I look at this and I you ask the question, is this a better movie with the longer cut? Mm-hmm. With the scenes? I have twofold answer here. Is yeah. Yes, from a narrative standpoint, it does fix one of the biggest problems I had is that I never fully understood why Batman and Superman had this animosity towards each other. Mm-hmm. This builds a lot of that into the story. Absolutely. This makes more sense. Lois Lane stuff, again, makes more sense. So they've gone in and fixed some of the issues we had with motivations of particular characters, specifically the ones that are leading and are titled <laughs> in the movie. Yeah. But is this a more watchable right. movie? Because of this ultimate cut. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say no. No. Three hours is too long. It is. Make a movie, script a movie that is two and a half hours, two hours and 15 minutes long. Yeah. I don't think DC needs to be going down the path where it's like, here's a theatrical cut. But wait, it gets better <laughs> later when you buy the Blu-ray because we have the extra half an hour that explains a lot more things. Yeah. It's not the way to make movies. Yeah. So, like I said, we could have done without a lot of the scenes. The editing isn't fixed at all here. Mm. still really bothers me. It's really beyond the half hour mark. Because the first half hour is really well done. Mm -hmm. And then you get to the the half hour mark and it's all over the place. Sloppy. You're you're here, you're there, you're, you know, with Superman, Clark Kent, you're all over the place. The end end scene's just all over the place, right? And we didn't even really talk about, like, all the action sequences more or less unchanged. Yeah. You know, they put all the money there and then it ended up all on screen. Mm -hmm. That is a bit modeled for me. Yeah. So... Three hours is a long time to commit mm-hmm. to rewatch a movie that maybe you weren't particularly happy with. And, you know, at the end of the day, would I recommend going and watching this? Mm-hmm. I must say no. Yeah. If you love the movie to start with, yeah, sure. You're going to love this too. Mm-hmm. But this isn't going to really change your overall feelings for this. And, you know, when you listen to this, you, you say, well, Tim, your, your, your views do sound like they've slightly changed. and You've lightened up on the movie. Mm-hmm. Yes, they have. Yeah. But at the end of the day, is it worth your three-hour time commitment? No. No, it isn't. If you didn't like the movie, you're not going to like this much more. And if you did, you've probably already checked this out. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. I'm going to stand with my, my original review and mm-hmm. not recommend. And ultimately, I think... That the movies that come later, mm-hmm. you know, even for starting from Suicide Squad, yeah. they're going to do a much better job at explaining what's going on in this universe. Yeah. And Wonder Woman's going to explain her solo movie. You can almost delete this from Watch Man of Steel yeah. and then watch Justice League. You really can because I guarantee in the future movies, they're going to talk about, you know, Superman was killed by Doomsday. Yeah. Done. I mean, they're not going to talk about Superman battled Batman and they became friends and yada yada. They're just going to say he's killed by Doomsday, he sacrifices himself and he came back. Batman, who knows if we're getting prequels or the moving forward. I mean, we know the moving forward, obviously, yeah. the Justice League. But they're never really going to touch back onto this movie again. No, and they're yeah. going to explore his backstory. They're going to explore why he's become cynical. And they're mm-hmm. going to explore why he's been enlightened post-Superman death, right? Mm-hmm. And so going back, this movie is just like a flicker in that universe, right? Yeah. You don't really need to watch it to understand what's going on. Nope. You know the character of Superman... You know the character of Batman, mm-hmm. and you're going to get a real big introduction to Wonder Woman going forward. Yeah. And those are the three big things that come out of this. Lex Luthor, I'd be surprised if we really see much of him again. Yeah. And all the other characters, like Alfred and all, you're going to see them in other movies, in the solo movies, in the Justice League. Yeah. And you're going to get probably a better 
viewing and a better yeah. explanation of not only their origins but their character motivations in subsequent movies so you could almost skip this movie definitely. going for in the dc cinematic universe definitely and even uh going into spoilers i mean at the end of suicide squad i say they do a better job of shoving in the justice league yeah. than they do in bvs i gave that mid credit scene shit because it was redundant yeah but if you didn't have batman for superman for sure it's great oh yeah definitely yeah that's your first view of, okay, here's Aquaman, here's Flash. Yeah. And you're getting Bruce Wayne. And it's also a good introduction to Batman in the new DC Cinematic Universe. Yeah. If you don't have Batman versus Superman, right? right? Totally. It's so, your first introduction. You're seeing his suit. You're yeah. seeing his interaction with Deadshot. You're seeing his interaction with Amanda Waller and this greater idea that there is a Batman. Yeah. Yeah, you do, you realistically, at the end of the day, you don't, don't need, need Batman versus you Superman. Know. You get your Wonder Woman origin next year. Yeah. You've already had your Superman origin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't need. You this don't movie. need. It. I mean, <laughs> I, I really loved. Uh, I loved Wonder Woman's performance in that movie. Yeah, but we're going to see even better exactly. in their own standalones. So, and so we've gone from not liking this movie <laughs> to calling it completely irrelevant for the DC Cinematic Universe. Yeah. So I don't know if that's better or worse. <laughs> than I felt that we were relatively positive, but we've come to the conclusion that yeah, it's irrelevant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so that, that more or less wraps it up for us. I would, I would like to say that, yes, it has been an absolute pleasure talking yeah. Batman vs. Superman, Rogue One, Luke oh, Cage. Always. A lot of great stuff on the horizon. Mm-hmm. We might have some bonus content dropping in the next next week or two. Oh, yeah. We're going we're gonna to leave that as a tease because yeah. it may or may not come to fruition. Yeah, but... a little after credit thought. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got lots coming down the pipe, like mm-hmm. we said. September's going to be a big month in August here. We're looking at maybe doing something a little different. Mm-hmm. You know, if you guys have seen Stranger Things, yeah. you know, we're kind of getting to the end of that. I know mm-hmm. it's a little late, but it's something that I really enjoyed. I really yes. enjoyed the aesthetics of the 80s. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll look at reviewing a little bit of that. Definitely touch upon that. And Oscar season is coming up. We're yes. getting closer and closer to Oscar season. Yes, we are. Yeah. And, you know, for Friday, like we mentioned, oh, yeah. lots of Star Wars stuff. And so we got lots of stuff to talk about here. And we're going to be back every week mm-hmm. talking all things comics and movies. Star Definitely. Wars, all of it. Keep it locked right here. So for the Nerd Room, I'm Tim. I'm Troy. And thank you for entering the Nerd Room. Clink, clink. <laughs> yeah, clink, clink. <laughs> we are drinking. <laughs> Out. <laughs> Don't forget to subscribe and rate and review us on iTunes. You can find our hosts Tim, Sunday, and Troy on Twitter at the NerdRM1912 Podcasting and Troy the Boy87. <laughs> <laughs>